Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. So how many of you, you are tired of seeing that? How many of you, you are tired of seeing evil in our world? How many of you, you'd like to see something done about that already, huh? Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24, here's what Jesus says. He told another story. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmers, work, the farmers workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. They just asked the same question that I know that probably from a very early age, everybody in here asked at some point. In thinking about bad things and when they happen and bad people when they make bad things happen, we've probably always asked this question, why doesn't God just wipe out the evil? How many of you, you'll confess you've been there, done that. Why doesn't God just go ahead and wipe out the evil? Raise your hand. Admit it. And if you are not raising your hand and admitting it, then you have not thought deeply. And I suggest that you take some more time in your life to think deeply because it's a tough question, isn't it? We all wonder it. Why in the world doesn't God just go ahead and wipe out the evil? So I thought that maybe together this morning we might be able to come to some type of conclusion and realize why that might be the case. That he doesn't just go ahead and wipe it out the way that we would like to see it wiped out, right? I mean, if this was up to you, we would wipe it out, wouldn't we? If it was up to me, we would wipe it out, wouldn't we? Whoa. Maybe God knows something we don't. Let that one shock you for a second. Maybe God knows something that we don't. So maybe we should explore this just a little bit more together. Maybe we should start by just saying, okay, hey, listen, what is evil? Now, before you raise your hands, you start giving me answers because I want you to do that. Let's keep it PG. Let's not base it off of the most recent serial killer movie that you've watched, okay? Let's keep it PG and just go ahead and start helping me understand what is evil. 
Just and throw it out there in one word. We had people in the first service like giving me whole definitions. Oh, look, look somebody got real smart in the back. Sin. Pride. Hate. Greed. Power is evil? God is all powerful. <laughs> McDonald's. What else is evil? Huh? Arrogance. Lust. Ego. I'm out of room. Get over it. Man, there's a lot of stuff that we would just go ahead and look and say is evil, right? But have you ever just kind of thought about this? That uh, If it wasn't for human beings living on planet Earth, there wouldn't be any. Not at least among us, right? I mean, how many of you, you've ever watched any of those Discovery Channel documentaries on Africa? Anybody? Yeah, I, every once in a while I kind of nerd out, which is a lot of times. And I, I'll switch it over to one of those Discovery Channel um, documentaries, and uh, it'll be focused in on a lion. And man, isn't a lion a beautiful, magnificent creature that roars and it shows its beautiful, magnificent teeth and its claws could just wipe out prey with one swipe? It's an amazing beast. And a lion sitting there on the African plain is thinking to himself, what am I going to have for lunch? And then suddenly, this beautiful lean animal begins to run across the African plain with wonderful, gorgeous horns, majestic in its own beauty. The gazelle is doing who knows how many miles per hour because I didn't watch the Discovery Channel documentary that closely. And the lion is sitting there thinking to itself, I've been inspired. I want gazelle for lunch. And so it gets up and it takes off and it runs and it's faster and it's stronger and it's more cunning and it takes the gazelle down and its mouth rips into, I'm keeping it PG, remember? But meanwhile, the gazelle makes for a pretty good lunch. How many of you in ever watching one of those documentaries have thought to yourself, that is evil? I've never thought it's evil. I just thought the lion's hungry. Gazelle must taste good. Because guess what? Animals don't do evil things. Because they're animals. When we talk about 
What is evil, sin, and pride, and hate, and greed, and McDonald's? <laughs> I think it belongs up there, I'm just saying. <laughs> Arrogance, and lust, and ego. When, when we talk about all of these things, it's only human beings, right? An animal can't participate in any of that. So the real question is, like, not just what is evil, but, but who is evil? Because evil wouldn't, like, walk among us in the way that it walks among us if it wasn't for us. So if you were to think about who is evil, throw them out there. Don't name your spouse. Don't name your boss if they're in the room. But help me out. Who's evil? Politicians. He missed the message two weeks ago. <laughs> there are incredible politicians that love Jesus 100% and want to do awesome things for his glory. And there are those that don't, but do not name their names out loud. <laughs> Who's evil? Satan's evil. But he's not a person. <laughs> Hitler, yeah. Hitler, Stalin. Hitler, Stalin, <laughs> ISIS, who? A drug dealer, drug dealer, who else is evil, huh, any of the Kim Jungs. I'm not going to spell that because I can't even sound it out. So, uh, But we'll, we'll imagine that there's a Kim Jong up here, okay? Who else is evil? Bin Laden. Of course, Bin Laden is... Bin Laden. <laughs> Somebody said the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. It's just, it can't get worse. Okay. And I can't spell Kardashian. So, here's the, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, like, uh, we've all got this idea, right? When I ask who is evil, we've all got this face. We've all got this person. We've all got this historical figure or maybe pop modern figure or whoever it may be that comes to our mind. And we say, that's the epitome. That's what evil is. I'm going to go ahead and show you this morning, seriously, this is no joke, a picture in just a moment of the most evil person I've ever known personally. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm taking a little risk in doing this. Uh, but when I think about, like, the most evil individual that I've ever come in c contact with that I know very, very, very personally, well, here they are. Look, he's got the beard to prove it. Uh, here's the craziest part about it all is I'm not kidding. Like, that's not a joke. 
Folks, I, I, you know, I can read about the things that the Hitlers and the Stalins and ISIS do and drug dealers and bin Ladens and all that kind of stuff, but I can't get inside their brains. I can't get inside their hearts. I can get inside that guy's brain. I can get inside of that guy's heart. And I got to tell you, there's a bunch of junk inside of there that I would be incredibly ashamed to reveal to you this morning. Inside of that guy's brain, inside of that guy's heart, there's been incredible amounts of lust that have taken place in his life. There's been incredible amounts of hatred and desires for vengeance. Inside of that guy's heart and head, there have been just all kinds of despicable stuff that has transpired. And not just things that have been thought about, but oftentimes things that have turned themselves into actions. I'm the most evil person that I personally know and know very, very well. It's easy to name everybody else, isn't it? It's another thing to think about who are we. So why doesn't God just go ahead and wipe out evil? Well, then we've got to determine, well, who is evil? And for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, the answer is me. I arrive inside of the category. I'm not any better than anybody that we could ever list up here. The reality is the fact that I'm evil. And I'm willing to bet that if we all of us took time to truthfully introspect ourselves, we'd find that we might fall inside of that same category. The reasons why we don't think that we're evil, the reasons why we don't believe that we're evil is oftentimes because of the way that we view sin. And go ahead and let me show you, just for a second, uh, the way that too often that we view sin. Our view of sin oftentimes looks at, like this. And we want to look and we want to put a label or a name on each and every one of these columns. And what we want to do is say, hey, hey, this is Hitler. Or this is Stalin. And they're the most evil of all that's ever lived. I mean, over here, this is ISIS. Then some of us, we go over here and we say, this is our spouse. And we categorize and we look and say that there are levels to sin. And almost every single one of us look and say, well, look, we're not nearly as evil as anybody else. This is us. And so we determine the level of evil that everybody else has. We compare that to ourselves and what we have done. And then we look and say, we're okay. The problem is, this is our view of sin. That's a horizontal view of sin. That's a sin. That's a view of sin while we're looking at sin from planet Earth's point of view. But God does not look at sin from planet Earth's point of view. He looks at it from a very different point of view. He looks at it from a heavenly point of view. You might call it a top-down view. If God views our sin like this, then this is how God views sin when he looks down on it. He doesn't have any levels, does it? Because he's looking down on it. Every top is the same. Every sin is equal. It doesn't matter if it's the little white lie. 
It doesn't matter if it's murder. It doesn't matter if you're Stalin and it's genocide. Sin is sin is sin is sin according to God's view. You know why? Because he is perfect and he is righteous and he is completely and totally clean. In fact, let me go ahead, in case you didn't get it this way, let me make sure that you fully understand what it is I'm trying to talk about this morning. He is completely righteous. He is completely 100% totally clean. Just like this blanket, except for this little, this little red spot. I got that off there. Okay. He is totally 100% clean. Now, how many of you, you'd be more than willing to go ahead and use that sheet on your bedspread tonight? Some of you, I know, you're asking yourself, is it eco-friendly? Did they use good laundry detergent? <laughs> it's clean. Okay? It's totally clean. You'd sleep on that, wouldn't you? Like, no problem whatsoever. This is God. He's perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. He's never messed up. He's never made a mistake. Nothing like that has ever happened. And we like to think that we are kind of close to God, except for that time when we told that little white lie to mom. Right? I mean, it wasn't too much of a big one. We never got caught, but that's okay. It was just a little lie. Or, you know, maybe it, it, it was that time that we went out with the friends and we just, we just went ahead and went a little too far, had a little too much to, 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 to drink, but it's not that big of a deal, right? Or maybe, maybe it's that kind of, we said I do to somebody, but then we got ourselves involved in some type of crazy relationship. And man, we don't look, man, we don't look like Hitler or Stalin, but I got news for you. Would you sleep with that on you? Because it's dirty, isn't it? There is no in-between with God. It's either all white, it's either all pure, or the little tiniest spot makes it dirty and unclean. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the reality. Why doesn't God wipe out all of evil? Well, maybe you should realize that we're all evil. Anybody here today want to go ahead and... Uh, Volunteer to be wiped out. <laughs> I didn't think so. But then look at what it goes on to say in Matthew chapter 13. After this question in verse 28, where it says, An enemy has done this, so the farmer explained. And then that question comes, should we pull out the weeds? Why don't we just go ahead and wipe out all of evil? No, he replied. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. You'll uproot, you'll uproot that which is good. You'll uproot that which is fruitful. 
You'll uproot that which has a chance to feed other people. If you decide to go ahead and wipe out all the evil at the same time, because it's all growing together. Let both grow together until the harvest. And then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds. When the right time comes, I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds and tie them into bundles and burn them and put them and put the wheat into the barn. They'll be separated at the right time. But Jesus doesn't go ahead and wipe out the weeds right now. You know why? Because Jesus is in the business of making the weeds into wheat. That's what he wants to do more than anything in the world. He wants to make the weeds into wheat. And that ought to be the greatest sign of hope for us this morning. Because if we're sitting out here and we're saying, hey, listen, we're all evil, then there's hope. If we're sitting out here and we're saying that we're all weeds, then there is opportunity for us to become wheat. And if you're sitting out here today and you're saying, well, I'm not evil, then I'm going to go ahead and say this. You're the worst type of evil. The person that says, I'm not evil. The person that says, I'm not broken. The person that says, no, I'm not. You can't compare me to Hitler or Stalin or ISIS or drug dealers or bin Laden. You can't do that. That's the worst type of person. You know why? Because they have pride. And pride was the ultimate sin of Satan. He thought he was better than God. It's the worst type. But Jesus came in order to make wheat out of weeds. He was the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of his country. It was one of the most powerful countries in the, nation, uh, in the world at that time. He had been victorious in almost every battle that he had ever fought. There were songs that had been written about him, accolades that had been made, posters that had been hung. This guy was going to go down in history as one of the world's best warriors, as one of the world's best um, generals, commanders in chiefs. But he had gotten a little bit old, and he'd gotten a little bit tired. And he knew that there was this one particular group that was starting to infiltrate the borders of, the, of a particular side of his country. And he knew that he had to go into battle with them, but he was old and he was tired. So he assembled together his best generals and his best commanders. And he said, hey guys, you think you can pull this one off without me this time? Why don't you guys go ahead and be the ones that go into battle? Why don't you guys go ahead and be the ones that take care of them? I trust you. You've been trained well. You can do this without me. I just want to stay at home, and I just want to rest. So sure enough, they mobilized, and they took off, and they began to try to defend that portion of the borders of the country. And the commander-in-chief, he stayed at home. And while he was staying at home, he noticed this beautiful woman. This beautiful woman he found in a very inconspicuous place. Saw her in a way that he should not have seen her. And he thought, you know what? I like her. And then he discovered that this beautiful woman that he liked was what, the wife of one of his commanders that was out on the front line battling it out. 
He invited this woman over for a wonderful dinner, as you can imagine, commander-in-chief of the armed forces of one of the greatest nations in the world. He wined and dined her well, and then he got to know her in a way that he had no business in getting to know her. And then the news came back a few days later that she was going to have a baby. Well, that kind of created a problem because her husband was on the front lines of war. And he looked and he said, i got to figure out what to do about this. Um, This was back before there was DNA testing, so... He basically looked and said, hey, I want to have him go ahead, give, it, give, it, give, him some, um, give him some time off. Bring him back from the front lines. And so, sure enough, this commander, he comes back from the front lines. He stands in front of his commander-in-chief, and his commander-in-chief says, hey, you've been fighting hard out there. You've been giving it all for, for this country and for your troops. I just want you to enjoy a few nights. Go home. Have some fun with your wife. It'll all be good. The problem was this commander had this thing called honor. And on that particular night, he basically looked and said, hey, um, I don't want to go home to my wife. And so he slept outside of the commander-in-chief's home. He said, I'm not going home to my wife because my troops, they're on the front line. And, 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 and I've got no business enjoying my life when they're putting their lives on the line. The next morning, some of the guards of the commander-in-chief's home, they came to the commander-in-chief and they told him what had transpired. And he basically looked and he said, hey, uh, why? The guy didn't go home. He slept on your front porch. He said, well, i got to do something about this. There's no way that anybody can find out that this might be my baby inside of his wife's womb. And so he turned around. And he, he wrote a note. He handed it to the commander that he had brought home and said, why don't you go ahead and take off and give this to your commander. Inside of that note were orders that basically said, put this guy on the front lines. And as soon as he hits the front lines, I want you to go ahead and retreat. I want him left on the front lines alone. I want to make sure that he dies. There is no way that anybody can find out that his wife is carrying my baby. So that's exactly what happened. And the man was killed. There was another man. He grew up in the Middle East. As he was growing up in the Middle East, he grew up in a very, very highly uh, religious household. He was indoctrinated from a very, very young age that life was all about the rules and that there were certain rules that were supposed to be followed. And if those rules were not followed, then it deserved whatever came to one who did not follow those rules. But he did his best to keep those rules day in and day out. And the older that he got, the more he began to despise the people that would not keep those rules. He had become totally, completely, 100% radicalized to the point that he believed that anybody that did not keep his rules, that he believed religiously, that anybody who did not bow down to the religion that he believed in deserved death and there was no other options. 
when he was just probably a teenager, he had the first opportunity to be able to live out this radicalization that he had experienced. A person had come to trial and had been declared guilty because he did not believe in the rules of this young man. And so all the powers that be, they got together and they stripped this man of all of his clothes. They took his clothes and they put him in this young teenager's hands. And he stood there holding this clothes of this condemned man as everybody reached down, picked up a rock, and began to throw rocks at this condemned one until he was dead. The one holding the clothes felt good about what he had done because he had wiped out. He had wiped out those who refused to believe in his religion. The older he got, the more radicalized he became to the point where he would travel from town to town and anybody that did not believe in his religion, anybody that did not believe in his rules was immediately cast into jail, was immediately decided upon that they would be executed. And he loved every minute of it. And it would be so easy for us in here this morning to go ahead and to condemn those people and to say that those two men, the stories that I just told, they ought to die themselves, right? Because that's what we feel when we watch the news. That's what we feel when we see evil in society. Wipe it out. Well, if we would have wiped it out, then we would have wiped out King David. The Bible says that he ended up being a man after God's own heart, an adulterer and a murderer, as evil as you can imagine. And he ended up being a man after God's own heart. If we would have wiped out the second guy, we would have wiped out the apostle Paul. And all of his writings, many of those writings that we who claim to be Christ followers get up every day and we read them as devotional tools. And yet he was a terrorist. You know why? Because you know why God doesn't wipe out evil? Because in John 3, 16 and 17, it says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, not to destroy those of the world. He sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. To save the world through him. Why doesn't God wipe out evil? Because God, the good farmer, doesn't want to destroy. He wants to cultivate. And all the people that we can think of that are evil. And all of the people right now that we want to condemn. And all of the people right now that we want to chastise and we want to put down. And if we were God, they'd be done. Thank God we're not God. 
And thank God there is still a chance for them to come to Jesus. Because we're all evil in this. But because of what God has done, he wants to take what is evil, even in our lives. And he wants to turn it into absolute, incredible, beautiful things. He wants to change lives, ladies and gentlemen. He wants to start in us, in our attitudes toward those who we condemn. And then he wants to take the hardest of the hard. And he wants to see them also, too, come to know. It'd be beautiful also. I'm going to ask you this morning, no heads bowed, no no eyes closed. Just stand up with me if you would, please. Down here in these planters, we've got uh, a bunch of seed packets. And how many of you, you just look and say, and you you just be honest, you say, listen, I I got some evil stuff in my life right now. I admit it. I got some evil stuff. My hand's up first. I got some evil stuff in my life right now. And let me tell you something. You're like, what? wait a second, what do you mean again? Because we're struggling with that question, right? Like, what's evil? I'm not wanting to see, I'm not wanting to kill anybody. I don't want to assassinate anybody. Let me tell you something. Anything that you've got in your heart, in your life, anything that I've got in my heart or in my life that is going a different direction than God wants it to go is evil. There's no halfway dirty it's just dirty or it's clean so I say that to say how many of us have some evil in our hearts this morning I want you to think about what that evil is and in the next couple of minutes here's what I want you to do I want you to just come down here I want you to grab one of these seed packets because God wants to take what's evil And he wants to turn it around, and he wants to grow something beautiful out of your life. And then he wants to turn around, and he wants to grow something beautiful out of the life of everybody that you've written off and everybody that you've condemned, everybody that you said there is no hope for. God wants to grow something beautiful out of them too. He's not wiping us out this morning because he still believes there's something great to be done. And I want to join him in that today. So I'm going to ask you to come down here. And if that's you, you've got something evil in your heart, come down here, grab a seed packet. Go home this week. Write what that thing is. Maybe just stuff it in your Bible so your spouse doesn't see it. Some of you, you might want to go ahead and put it in a safe or safety deposit box that only you have the key to. I got that. But write whatever that thing is in your life right now that's evil that you, that you could be condemned for. And know that God wants to take those things and use them in a beautiful way. A way that you never imagined. Would you come pick it up? And as you come pick it up, just grab it. If that's you, you say, hey, listen, I, something in my life, I want it turned into something beautiful. Just come grab it and stand here for just a moment. I'm going to pray with you.
And if you get stuck, there's going to be people up here up front. They're going to be nice enough to pass some back to you too. Just make sure you get your seed packet and say, hey, listen, I got something. But I know God can turn this into a beautiful thing in my life. Come here, stand here, and I want to pray with you in just a moment. Keep coming to get your packets. I just want to pray with you. If you've already got them, hold them up. Heavenly Father, this represents what we already know is is broken about us, what we already know is messed up. We are not a perfect people standing here today, and how dare we, how dare we, God, how dare I judge anybody? I'm just as broken. I'm just more broken than anybody here that's here today. But Lord, you want to take that which is broken inside of us and you want to heal it. And you want to turn it into beautiful things. Your, Bi- your Bible to us, your book to us, is filled with stories of, of, of the most broken of human beings that you've turned into beautiful things. May we at the Church of Severed Run be that and may as a result of that, the beauty spread to our cities, to our country, to the world. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. amen. Grab your seed packet this morning. Head back and worship in a big way through this last song today. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.